It's Wednesday, the 25th of September 2019. And once again, it's Call of the Weird on www.bighotheadsradio.uk broadcasting from the bunker. And tonight we're looking at the life uh, and misadventures and career of one Matthew Hopkins. Uh, born 1620 and died on the 12th of August 1647. He was an English witch hunter whose career flourished during the English Civil War. He claimed to uh, hold the office of Witchfinder General, although that title was never bestowed by Parliament. His witch hunts mainly took place in East Anglia. Hopkins' witch-finding career began in March 1644 and lasted until his retirement in 1647. He and his associates were responsible for more people being hanged for witchcraft than in the previous 100 years and were solely responsible for the increase in witch trials during those years. He is believed to have been responsible for the executions of 300 alleged witches between the years 1644 and 1646. It's been estimated that all of the English witch trials between the early 15th and late 18th century resulted in fewer than 500 executions for witchcraft. Therefore, presuming the number executed as a result of investigations by Hopkins and his colleague John Stern at the lower end of the estimates, their efforts accounted for about 60% of the total. In the 14 months of their crusade, Hopkins and Stern sent to the gallows more accused people than all the other witch hunters in England in the previous 160 years. Little is known of Matthew Hopkins before 1644 and there are no surviving contemporary documents concerning him or his family. Following the Lancaster Rich Trials of 1612, William Harvey, physician to King Charles I of England, had been ordered to examine the four William uh, accused, and from this they became a requirement to have material proof of being a, a witch. The work of Hopkins and John Stern was not necessarily to prove that any of the accused had committed acts of witchcraft, but to prove they had made a covenant with the devil. Prior to this point, any malicious acts on the part of witches were treated identically to those of other criminals, until it was seen that according to the current beliefs about the structure of witchcraft, they owed their powers to the deliberate act of their choosing. Witches then became heretics to Christianity, which became the greatest of their crimes and sins. With continental and Roman law, witchcraft was crimen acceptum, a crime so far that all normal legal procedures were superseded. Because the devil was not going to confess, it was necessary to gain a confession from the human involved. The witch hunts undertaken by Stern and Hopkins mainly took place in East Anglia in the counties of Suffolk, Essex, Norfolk, Cambridgeshire and Huntingdonshire, with a few in the counties of Northamptonshire and Bedfordshire. They extended throughout the area strongest Puritan and parliamentarian influences which formed the powerful and influential Eastern Association from 1644 to 1647 which is centred in Essex. Both Hopkins and Stern would have required some form of letters of safe conduct to be able to travel throughout the counties. According to this book, The Discovery of Witches, Hopkins began his career as a witch finder after he overheard women discussing their meetings with the devil in March 1644 in Manningtree. In fact, the first accusations were made by Hearn and Stopkins um, 
which was actually made by Stern and Hopkins, was appointed as his assistant. 23 women were accused of witchcraft and were tried at Chelmsford in 1645. With the English Civil War underway, this trial was conducted not by justices of assize, but by justices of the peace, presided over by the Earl of Warwick. Four died in prison and 19 were convicted and hanged. During this period, excepting Middlesex and chartered towns, no records show any person charged of witchcraft being sentenced to death other than by the judges of the assize. Hopkins and Stern, accompanied by the women who performed the pricking, um, which is basically a method where people were literally pricked by pins as far as part of the process of you know finding out if they were actually a witch or not. Um, they were soon travelling over eastern England, claiming to be officially commissioned by Parliament to uncover and prosecute witches. Together with their female assistants, they were well paid for their work, and it's been suggested this was a motivation for his actions. Hopkins states that his fees were to maintain his company with free horses, and they took 20 shillings a town. The records in Stowe Market show their cost to the town to have been £23, uh, and the equivalent in 2019 is £3,700, plus his travelling expenses. The cost of the local community of Hopkins and his company were such that in 1645 a special local tax rate had to be levied in Ipswich. Parliament was well aware of Hopkins and his team's activities, as shown by the concerned reports of the Barry St Edmunds Witch Trials of 1645. Before the trial, a report was carried to the Parliament, as if some busy man had made use of some ill arts to extort su such confessions, that a special commission of over and terminer was granted for the trial of these witches. After the trial and execution of the moderate intelligencer, um, the, after the trial and execution, the moderate intelligencer, a parliamentary paper published during the English Civil War, an editorial on the 11th of September 1645, which expressed unease with the affairs in Bury. Methods of investigating witchcraft heavily drew inspiration from the demonology of King James, which was directly cited in Hopkins' The Discovery of Witches. Although torture was unlawful in England, Hopkins often used techniques such as sleep deprivation to extract confessions from his victims. He would also cut the arm of the accused with a blunt knife, and if she did not bleed, she was said to be a witch. Another of his methods was the swimming test, based on the idea that as witches had renounced their baptism, water would reject them. Suspects were tied to a chair and thrown into water. Uh, all those who swam were considered to be witches. Hopkins was warned against the use of swimming without receiving the victim's permission first. This led to the legal abandonment of the test by the end of 1645. Hopkins and his assistants also looked for the devil's mark. This was a mark that all witches or sorcerers were sought to possess that was said to be dead to all feeling and would not bleed, though it's sometimes a mole, a birthmark or an extra nipple or a breast. If the suspected witch had no such visible marks, invisible ones could be discovered by pricking. Therefore, witch prickers were employed who pricked the accused with knives and special needles looking for such marks, normally after the suspect had been shaved of all body hair. It was believed that the witch's familiar and animals, such as a cat or a dog, would drink the witch's blood from the mark. Um, Hopkins and his company ran into opposition very soon after the start of their work, but uh, one of his main antagonists was John Gall, vicar of Great Staunton, Huntingdonshire. Gull had attended a woman from St Neots, who was held on gallow charge of witchcraft until such time as Hopkins could attend. Upon hearing that the woman had been interviewed, Hopkins wrote a letter to contact 
asking whether he would be given a good welcome. Gull, hearing of this letter, wrote his publication, Select Cases of Conscience Touching Witches and Witchcrafts, in 1646, which was dedicated to Colonel Walden of the House of Commons, and he began a programme of Sunday sermons to suppress witch hunting. In Norfolk, both Hopkins and Stern were questioned by justices of the sides about the torturing and the fees. Hopkins was asked if the methods of investigation did not make the finders themselves witches, and if, with all his knowledge, he did not also have a secret or had used unlawful courses of torture. By the time this court session resumed in 1647, Stern and Hopkins had retired. Hopkins to Manningtree and Stern to Bury St Edmunds. And it was at that point that Mr Hopkins disappears from the records. There's a lot of references to Matthew Hopkins in popular culture, for example, in literature. Uh, there's Witch Hunt, a 2012 horror thriller novel by Sid Moore, uh, which deals with a young woman who has growing visions of Hopkins and his victims. The book suggests a fictional end to Hopkins in that he flees England for New England in America in 1647 and continues his prosecution of witches there. The Witchfinder's Sister, a 2017 novel by Beth Underdine, follows the story of Hopkins' semi-fictional sister Alice Hopkins and his role in the East Anglian witch hunts during the English Civil War feature heavily. Uh, and of course there's a famous film, uh, Witchfinder General, which uh, in America was released as The Conqueror Worm, uh, a 1968 film based on Bassett's novel uh, starring Vincent Price as Matthew Hopkins. I don't know what Walt Bassett's. I, I I'm not too sure about that. But I don't know if it was actually. Was it? He, he is Bassett. No, don't know. Most that. Um. Anyway, uh, Whitechapel. Um, in the detectives' fourth series, um, a serial killer. That was a very good show. It was on a few years ago. Actually, in fact, a good about fifteen years ago. Um. In the fourth series, a serial killer likened to Matthew Hopkins is killing alleged witches in modern-day London. And it was a strange, because it started off, Whitechapel was, I think all the serial killers were basically copying other serial killers from history. I think that was the sort of stuck of it. Um, and it started off with Jack the Ripper, but obviously you can only can't get so far with that, so they moved on to the other ones. Um, Steve Coogan plays a character based on Matthew Hopkins, called Witch Locator Captain Tobias Slater uh, from Dr. Terrible's House of Horrible. Um, so it's more of a, a comedy take on things. But um, yeah, um, I'm going to just wind that up now. Um, somebody's trying to penetrate the, the other sanctum here. But um, yeah, so I'm just going to wind it up um, because once again, time, time is against us. So um, I'll finish up uh, with another little tune. Obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, you, you won't hear it up, but um, trust me, it's pretty good. It's about uh, uh, aha. Aha, can't even say it. Aha. Anyway, I'll see you later.